Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Dan Diamond, hey. (laughs) Jeremy Siegel, how are you? You know, Dan, I'm good, but today we don't have time for this. This is is a serious show. The election's less than a week away, so no time for the usual mayhem. Nothing about the glory of your former handlebar mustache. Certainly nothing about your undying love of The Bachelorette. I'm not going to bring up any of that because this is serious. You know, Jeremy, I'm more than just my embarrassing haircuts and uh, embarrassing TV shows. I I like running and swimming, too. All right. We got, we got well, four personality <laughs> traits here. <laughs> I'm a well-rounded person. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Dan Diamond, who apparently is more than a mustachioed Bachelorette fan, on the key differences in how President Trump and Joe Biden plan to tackle the coronavirus pandemic. Obviously, for both President Trump and Joe Biden, the coronavirus pandemic is out front on the campaign trail. And we hear, you know, a lot about their messaging on it day in and day out. But I want to really today get into like the knit and grit of of the policy on the pandemic from both candidates. We've already seen months of President Trump at that helm of the federal government in the middle of a global pandemic. But for the sake of truly understanding these candidates and, you know, what they've done and will do, can you trace the policy and, and the action from President Trump leading up to this week on the pandemic? How much time do we have on the podcast? Uh, Maybe two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half minutes to cover ten months or so. I mean, we are we are talking what? It's Wednesday, October twenty eighth, while we're recording this, and about ten months ago to the day, the. U.S. government was roughly finding out about the outbreak in Wuhan, China. The mystery virus started here in the city of Wuhan. Chinese authorities pinpointing its source to this food market. The U.S. government did not do a ton until late January. Today, President Trump took decisive action to minimize the risk of the spread of novel coronavirus in the United States. That was after Health Secretary Alex Azar had been put in charge of this coronavirus task force that was emerging. I have today declared that the coronavirus presents a public health emergency in the United States. Working with different parts of the government to be ready for the pandemic. The actions we have taken and continue to take complement, complement the work of China and the World Health Organization to contain the outbreak within China. The big move that the president made in January, which he continues to tout, is limiting travel from China. The president took unprecedented action to suspend all travel into the United States from China. It simply had never been done before by any previous administration. Um, And uh, it is among the reasons why the threat uh, to Americans of coronavirus remains low. Uh, He calls it a China ban. That's not totally correct. People were still coming and going. Tens of thousands of Americans, for instance, were coming back from China even after those travel limitations were put into play. But that travel restriction is generally thought to have been a good thing. And I'll say that I've talked to a lot of people on both sides of the aisle who believe that limiting travel from China did slow the spread in the United States early on. But then in February, 
the lack of policy was pretty clear. The virus, as we know now, was silently spreading in the United States. We were very limited in our ability to detect that. The CDC had developed a coronavirus test sent out to public health labs across the country. That test didn't fully work. Trump's administration was consumed with fighting over how much funding to set aside for responding to coronavirus. There were battles over who would lead the task force. At the end of February, Azar was pushed aside in favor of Mike Pence rather abruptly. And Donald Trump played down the risk of the virus. Because of all we've done, the risk to the American people remains very low. And we have the greatest experts in the world, really in the world, right here. In March, it became clear that the coronavirus was not going away. This was not a political problem to play down. So instead, the White House did start leaning in. I signed legislation providing American workers with paid sick leave and paid family medical leave at no cost to employers and free testing for those who need it. And there was more of a positive change to combat the virus. The only issue was it came weeks late. A lot of the things that the president did in March were not out of line with what was happening in other countries. It just took us longer to get there. Every American has a role to play in defending our nation from this invisible, horrible enemy. It really is. It's an invisible enemy. And we will be successful, very successful, hopefully very much sooner than people would even think. So we say stay at home and save lives. So that was March. What happens next? Unfortunately, a lot of the same of, of these cycles where the president and his team would play down the risk of the virus. It would come surging back in parts of the country. There might be a response from the federal government, but an uncoordinated response. States have complained that they haven't gotten enough support when needing to acquire supplies. They were in races with each other. Where are the ventilators? Where are the gowns? Where's the PPEs? Where are the masks? Where are they? And as I'm talking to you, Jeremy, at the end of October, we have now seen, it's it's not really, in my mind, a third wave of coronavirus. It's just one continual uh, surge that's either high tide or low tide, and it's getting back to high tide. We now have viral outbreaks all across the country. So we know at this point that coronavirus is sticking around. There is very little we can do unless we adopt really extensive social distancing, test and trace, wearing of masks, and have some form of treatment or vaccine that allows us to get back to a more normal life. With all of that in mind, what do you think another term for President Trump would mean for the nation's COVID response? I've, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. I mean, I, I do think when President Trump talks on the stump in recent days about a vaccine coming set. soon. We're all set logistically. Our military is going to deliver it. It'll be done very quickly. He's probably not wrong. Tony Fauci, the infectious disease expert, does believe that vaccine data will be available in the next few weeks. There remains a pretty good shot of vaccines being rolled out across the country in the summer, perhaps, of 2021, the fall of 2021. But I, I don't think in the near term we will see much of a different strategy. The president has leaned into his rhetoric that this virus is under control. Do you ever notice they don't use the word death, they use the word cases, cases. Like Baron Trump is a case. He has sniffles. He was sniffling. 
One Kleenex, that's all he needed. One. He has played down some of the risks since he himself got sick and got better. We have seen a president who, once he adopts a certain tone of rhetoric, once he leans into, in this case, a lot of lies about the coronavirus, it's going to be very unusual to see him make a reversal, even if he wins re-election in the next few days. So on the other end, you have Joe Biden attacking Trump's response, warning about what could happen if Trump remains in charge of the coronavirus response. The president still doesn't have a plan. He's given up. He's quit on you. But what do we know? And I mean, like, details, details, details. What do we know about Joe Biden's plan for the pandemic? In some ways, it is similar to what the president and his team have done. In other ways, it is like a souped up version of what they've done. And Joe Biden brings some credibility in that one, he's not Donald Trump. He hasn't spent a year uh, playing down the risk of coronavirus. If anything, Joe Biden tweeted a year ago, late October 2019, about the risks of a pandemic because the Trump administration had, in his mind, not left the United States ready to fight one. He also has a team around him that had fought pandemics during the Obama administration. I just want to provide everyone with a few brief updates on some of the challenges we're dealing with right now. First, we are continuing to closely monitor the emergency cases of the H1N1 flu virus throughout the United States. And say what you will about the Obama administration's handling of H1N1 pandemic flu, which one of Joe Biden's aides has said in part the government got lucky that it didn't get worse than than it did. But still, H1N1 was handled much better over a decade ago than coronavirus is handled now. As I said this morning, this is obviously a very serious situation. And every American should know that their entire government is taking the utmost precautions and preparations. Barack Obama takes a bit of a victory lap in this week's New Yorker magazine. He talks a bit about his administration's proactive response to H1N1 and his decision to let the scientists take the lead. That's something that Joe Biden has committed to doing, too. So let me be clear. I trust vaccines. I trust scientists. But I don't trust Donald Trump. He says that on day one, he'll call up Tony Fauci and say, please serve under me in the government and do whatever you think best. Biden has also called for ensuring a thorough test and trace strategy. I'll put a national testing plan in place with a goal of testing as many people each day as we're currently testing each week, a seven-fold increase. So trying to make coronavirus testing more widely available, tracing who gets sick, informing their contacts, that's certainly very different from President Trump, who has blamed coronavirus testing for the high numbers in the United States. And I also think that Biden would very quickly shift the national conversation on coronavirus. Donald Trump, when he is in front of a microphone recently, talks about how much progress we have made to fight this disease. And we are coming around. We're rounding the turn. We have the vaccines. We have everything. We're rounding the turn. Even without the vaccines, we're rounding the turn. It's going to be over. Joe Biden, conversely, trying to unseat Donald Trump, talks about the dark times ahead. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter, and he has no clear plan and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. Now, his team is is trying very hard on expectation management. I reached out to one of his advisors and said, look, if you guys win next week, 
what happens next. And, and this person was very quick to say, we do not take control of the government until January 20th. So if things happen on coronavirus between Election Day and Inauguration Day, assuming Biden's elected, his team could be involved in, in the game of expectation management. Don't expect him to do very much right out of the gate. But his tone would be extremely different from Donald Trump. And we know that because we've seen it for the past months. Dan Diamond, thanks so much for talking with me. Jeremy, thanks for having me and stay safe. And if you want to hear an extended version of this conversation that includes a look at other key health issues this election cycle, check out the latest episode of Politico's Pulse Check podcast, which is brought to you every week by Dan Diamond. Also today, a new round of shutdowns is making its way across Europe amid another surge of coronavirus cases. On Wednesday, French President Emmanuel Macron declared a new nationwide lockdown starting on Friday. In his announcement, he said the country has been, quote, overpowered by a second wave, with more than half of the nation's intensive care units now taken up by coronavirus patients. And in Germany on Wednesday, Chancellor Angela Merkel announced a four-week-long shutdown of bars, restaurants, and movie theaters, saying, quote, we must act now to avoid an acute national health emergency. Both countries' moves come after nations like Spain and Italy also instituted new health restrictions to help try to slow the spread of the virus as cases rapidly rise. And another bad day for the stock market. With coronavirus cases surging in the U.S. and the new lockdown measures in Europe, the S&P 500 slid 3.5% on Wednesday, its third straight loss and its biggest drop since June. And it's on track to see its biggest weekly decline since March. For reference, that's when the market was in the middle of big sell-offs as countries across the globe locked down due to the pandemic. Analysts say investors are getting increasingly concerned that more shutdowns could be imposed and the possibility of more economic support from the government ahead of the election will slip away, causing the economy to lose even more momentum. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review in your favorite app and by telling a friend to give us a listen. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.